Vegetarian Podcast. This is your weekly discussion of all things vegan and vegetarian in Toronto. My name is Jeanette and I'm joined today by... Swetha. It's Steve. And we're all vegan and we're all volunteers with the TVA, the Toronto Vegetarian Association. We come to you every week from the offices of the TVA and heard on CGRU 1280 AM The Scope, Ryerson's campus and community station. And if you don't know, the TVA's mission is to inspire people to choose a healthier, greener and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based eating. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about the Buy Good, Feel Good Expo, which is coming up in April, April 12th to 14th. So looking forward to some some warmer days. Uh, the Buy Good, Feel Good Expo, uh, here's a little description about it in case you have not heard of it before. Looking to buy something unique and does not cost a fortune? Want to know where it came from and who made it? Visit Canada's largest show celebrating businesses that are truly changing the world. Shop your favorite fair trade, organic, and sustainable brands from over 60 countries all in one place. It is free admission. It is taking place at the Enner Care Centre down at Exhibition Place. And TVA is partnering with the Buy Good, Feel Good Expo this year. So we're going to be bringing you some interviews with the founder of the Expo and some of the vendors in the upcoming weeks. And on today's show, we're going to be welcoming a couple of people from the company Divine Chocolate. They are a fair trade organic organization. So I'm going to let them talk about, uh, about what Divine Chocolate is, but it's also of note that it's Valentine's Day coming up this week, so we're going to be talking about all things chocolate. And if we'll have time, maybe some interesting questions that we've received in the past about being a vegan. One came up this week that I thought was that was funny. And joining us on the line now, we have Morgan McKenna and Callie Yao. And Morgan is the trade market associate for Divine Chocolate, and Callie is a marketing associate uh, associate for Divine Chocolate. So uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks yeah, for, thank having you for having us. Uh, so let's just identify. So who is Morgan on the line? Morgan. And then Callie? Yes, that's me. Yeah. And Callie, you're joining us from Baltimore, is that correct? Or you got it backwards? Uh, it's backwards. Okay, so sorry. Callie. Um, I'm from Washington, D.C. And Morgan, you're in Baltimore. Yeah, that's that's correct. Okay, so this is the first time we've had guests from different locations at the same time. So this is fun. And we're here in Toronto, and we were saying that that today is quite cold here. Uh, But we wanted to talk to you because you're going to be at the upcoming Buy Good, Feel Good Expo, which is coming up in April. And Divine Chocolate is going to be an exhibitor there. So have have you been part of this um, expo in the past? Um, this is actually our first year exhibiting at the Buy Good Feel Good in Toronto, so we're really, really excited to be a part of it. It's a really a one-of-a-kind um, type of expo and different from any other kind of show that I've seen. How so? Um, it's, it's really about exhibiting businesses that are trying to make sustainable solutions for the world's most pressing environmental and social issues. And that really resonates with us at Divine because we exhibit a lot of these sustainable practices through recyclable packaging and environmentally uh, friendly shipping methods, through worker justice, and through sustainable and ethical ingredients. Okay, so let's take a step back and talk about Divine Chocolate as uh, as a company and what you do and and how you do it. So let's let's talk about like when it was founded, what why it was founded. Sure. So everything started in 1993 with the founding of Coapa Coco, which is a farmers co-op in Ghana. 
which formed to get fair pay from cocoa from the cocoa that they produced. Um, and as the cooperative grew bigger, they realized that so many companies that bought the cocoa went on to uh, to make even more money from making chocolate, and that it was deeply unfair how much profit they would make off of it. So in 1997, a few representatives from Quapa went to London to secure funding for the first ever chocolate company that was owned by cocoa farmers. It was kind of revolutionary what they were doing. Um, Quapa Cocoa quickly secured funding from nonprofits and charities to go on to produce their first chocolate bar in 1998. And today, Quapa owns about 44% of the business, which is the largest share, and the other 56% is owned by charities throughout the UK. Okay, so you've been around for a few years then. Yeah, we've been around uh, for about 20 years, but only about 10 years in the U.S. and uh, Canada. So where was it before that? Before that, we started in uh, England, so we've been around for about 20 years in the UK. Yep, I think we're all just kind of taking in the, the story here. Um, so in that 20 years, I, I understand that you were maybe one of the first companies that really did fair trade on, on that kind of scale. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is yeah. correct. It was one of our first challenges that Divine Chocolate faced at the beginning. Um, since we're such a small brand and um, fair trade was relatively new in England, um, it obviously hadn't uh, lifted off the ground yet. And most grocery stores only carried large brands like Cadbury or Hershey. Mm -hmm. So we had a little bit of difficulty trying to even get on shelf at the time. So our CEO, Sophie Tranchel, came up with a brilliant idea to get together with women from churches who supported Divine's mission and told them to save their receipts every single time they went shopping. After about a month, these women presented the receipts to the retailers and um, threatened essentially to boycott if they didn't stock Divine. And that worked and got Divine chocolate on the shelf. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. This is the power of like voting with your dollars and... Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, because fair trade, when we think about it, it's like it feels like it's always been just kind of like an option, but it it was something that had to be introduced into the marketplace and and supported by consumers, and then consumers had to be informed about what they were buying, or that there would be an issue with chocolate, right? There's a, there's a lot of fair trade um, labels or, or companies that certify. So there's like Fair for Life and Fair Trade International, uh, which is the one that you've used? Yeah, so hi, this is Callie. Uh, so we work very closely with Fair Trade America. Okay. Is there any particular reason that you chose that certification versus other certifications? Um, so I know that working with Fair Trade America has just been an easier uh, transition because if you think about it, the U.S. market is very, very different from the U.K. So the U.K. is smaller geographically compared to the U.S., and also we just have very different messaging um, that we push across in our sales and marketing initiatives. So working with Fair Trade America um, just made it easier to really hone in on the consumers that they were trying to reach uh, within within the state. Great. 
So how does one go about be, like being certified fair trade? What, what, what is that process like? And I know you mentioned that it's different versus different countries, but uh, how is Divine Chocolate, like what have their experiences been? Has it been a, a challenge to do it? Or, you know, do a lot of other companies kind of go, like what, what's the kind of the common struggles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so becoming fair trade is, of course, as you know, much more than just committing to something and, you know, trying to make it work. You, you can't try. You, you have to make it work. If you're going to get that fair trade certification, it's extremely important that you meet certain requirements. Um, so with Fair Trade America um, and, and being, as Morgan mentioned earlier, the only chocolate company in the world that is co-owned by Cocoa Farmers, we do have to meet those certain benchmarks that classify us as fair trade. Um, so I guess the biggest challenge with fair trade is just understanding how to make sure that it's making a positive impact to the producer. So any decision that that we make with the farmers does happen together. So, you know, we're not sitting over here in the States or in London making these choices for anyone in the co-op, for the farmers. Um, The farmers have a seat on the board with us. We make decisions together. And becoming fair trade certified is something that we all felt was a positive impact um, for everyone, specifically for the farmers, um, because it does give them that social and economic security, um, and it, it makes sure that they're not there's there's no oversight in terms of they're they're getting a fair they're getting the fair profit back for the sale of their beans. Um, and since they are providing the cocoa to make the chocolate bar, as Morgan also mentioned, they do own forty four percent of the company. Um, and I'll just mention now, um, they actually receive four streams of income. Generally speaking, with fair trade, there are two streams that are required. So the first one is the fair trade minimum price per metric ton of cocoa. And then the second is the fair trade premium, which is the price that um, farmers are paid on top of this minimum price. So those are the two from fair trade. And then Divine Chocolate actually gives two extra streams. So the first being the 44% ownership of the company. And the second is our 2%, uh, 2% of our total annual sales are dedicated to what we call the Producer Support and Development Fund. Um, and to date, this has actually generated over $3.5 million um, that we've invested. And we then give this money to the cooperative, and they decide how they'd like to use it. So some of these projects have been aimed at um, empowering women within the cooperative or maintaining good governance, making sure that elections are held fairly and uh, the leadership isn't corrupted. Um, and also, they, we, we've been able to uh, use this money to help farmers invest in different um, testing opportunities with farming techniques to understand the best way to harvest the cocoa to generate the largest yield. You, you keep referring to farmers. Are the farmers uh, a co-op too? Yes. Um, so Divine Chocolate itself is not a co-op. Um, okay. Co-op of Fogo Cooperative is the co-op um, that we work with, that we share company with. So the it's not like a big farmer hiring a bunch of local people and uh, and treating them however this farmer treats treats his workers. It's it's a co-op that's running the farm. Um, yes, yes. So basically uh, what it looks like is, you know, in Ghana, you have over 85,000 farmers um, that live in different villages across Ghana, yeah. and they've all committed to being a part of Coopo Coco. 
And Swapococo um, is just one of the many uh, different farmer cooperatives in Ghana. This one in particular is definitely one of the largest. Um, and they had, as Morgan mentioned, this initiative to actually use their crops to do more than just sell beans to large producers, you know, these giant chocolate companies. Instead, they said, okay, well, we're not making fair wages in doing this. We're giving all of our crops to this large company, and we're not being yeah. paid fairly. Sure. So that that's how that sort of started, where they decided, you know, that's yeah. not fair. We're going to make this, we're going to make, we're going to change this. We're going to get this positive impact as much as we can. Um, so they themselves are the cooperative, and then Divine Chocolate in our DC headquarters and our London office, um, we basically just work with the different charities and organizations that help us promote these farmers as much as possible and give them as much resources as possible for them to thrive. You had uh, mentioned that the farmers weren't getting paid properly and now they are getting paid properly. Have you heard any stories uh, from them and how their lives have transformed? Yeah, so actually um, Morgan and I have both had the great privilege um, of learning a lot about uh, different individual farmers within the cooperative. As you can imagine, keeping up with 85,000 people is really difficult. <laughs> um, so while I wish I knew the name of every single person, um, we are able to uh, know the stories of a few farmers. Um, and it's really a great you know, way to understand how their lives have, have definitely changed being a part of the cooperative. Um, one way in particular, there's one farmer, her name is Mercy Za, and I think, Morgan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe she's in her 50s now, um, and she actually visited the state uh, a, a couple years ago, um, and until about that time, she didn't know any English, and uh, she joined Quapacopo maybe, I think, about 10 years before then when she was in her 40s, and she had children and married. And she joined the cooperative because, you know, she needed a, a different way to support her family that was a little bit more stable and to just be able to hone in certain skills um, that she wanted to work on. So one of these was cocoa farming. So she joined the cooperative. Um, and as I mentioned previously, 2% of our annual sales are dedicated to the Producer Support and Development Fund, which we then give to the cooperative. And they were actually building these workshops for women to attend to learn how to um, learn English, uh, learn different other skills um, like soap making and things like that um, to generate more income. And she was actually able to learn English um, through these different programs that we've been able to support with that producer support and development fund. And then after she uh, learned the language, we actually were able, thankfully, to bring her over to the States. And that was really, really exciting for Divine Chocolate. Uh, a couple years ago, she came to Washington, D.C., and she was giving these talks in English to all these people, and it was just really amazing to see that, you know, the process of coming into the cooperative, not knowing English, you know, not maybe not being paid fairly, um, working in other cooperatives with other people, you come into a space where you are an owner, where you can look at your farm and say, you know, I own this, this is my crop, I'm giving this to someone that's been giving me a fair share of this profit, you know, 44% ownership. And then to be able to learn new skills, to learn a new language, to support your family, and then to get to meet the people that you work with in the United States. Um, it's really an amazing story. And I wish, you know, I know Morgan and I wish that we could meet every single farmer and know every single story. Um, 
but you are able to find our farmer stories. There's a couple online, and uh, I'm sure Morgan will be happy to talk about um, any other questions regarding that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really a great opportunity, I think, to be a part of Coapa Coco. Have either of you had the chance to visit Ghana? No. <laughs> um, I hope so in the future. Um, but as of right now, uh, we generally uh, are just kind of, we stay in D.C. Um, we do have meetings in London. I haven't personally been, but I know that Morgan has attended one of our meetings um, in London in their office. Um, and a lot of the time, our colleagues from London will come to the D.C. office as well for meetings uh, once or twice a year. Okay. All right. So maybe in 2019 or... I hope so. Yeah. And, okay. and are the two of you going to be in the expo in Toronto or do you know yet who, which personnel you're sending up here? So I'll be attending. Um, this is Morgan. I'll be going to the By Good Feel Good show up oh. in Toronto. Okay. Good. See you there. Yeah. yeah. Have you been looking at any uh, Toronto restaurants that you might want to check out while you're here? No, I actually haven't. Um, <laughs> I haven't been able to check that out yet, but I'm um, excited to find that out soon. Okay, well, you can always email us for recommendations. There's a lot. You can just spend like a month here eating at all the restaurants. It's it's a bit. We're we're very um, we're very lucky to be in Toronto at the moment, with the vegan boom going on. Um, but I wanted to also ask about getting back to divine chocolate uh, that. You do strive to be an environmentally sustainable organization, and you don't use palm oil. So can you talk a little bit about that decision and, and what other things that go into uh, producing an environmentally sustainable pro uh, product? Yeah, sure. Um, so the decision to not use palm oil is basically just because we, you know, like many other people, uh, believe that it is detrimental to the environment. So palm oil, as you may know, comes from palm trees which need to grow um, in a very specific environment, about 10 degrees north and south of the equator. Um, so given this, you know, you can't grow a palm tree just anywhere. So taking the oil from these trees um, actually becomes very unsustainable environmentally. So we, you know, I, I didn't make this decision myself. Um, I'm happy to work for a company that does take environmental concerns into account when deciding what ingredients to put in the chocolate. And as you are probably aware, being vegans, um, many, over half of our products are vegan. Um, and we also don't use any soy in our products, no artificial flavors. Um, we are non-GMO certified, and a lot of our products are vegan society certified. So we definitely, definitely do take the environment and other concerns into consideration when we're deciding, you know, how we want how we want our product to look on the shelf and how we want people to interact with it and, and the feeling that we want people to have when they eat a divine chocolate bar. You know, we want it to be positive and we don't want to support anything that's harming the environment or uh, other people. You had mentioned that the, the shipping process is environmentally friendly. Can you comment on like the specifics of that? Yeah, um, so Morgan knows a little bit about that. I'll pass it to her. Sure. So um, a lot of times, a lot of chocolate makers, in order to get, um, you know, their chocolate and their cocoa beans and everything um, to their factory or to distribution, um, they'll use something called air freight, which uh, means that they'll be uh, picking up the cocoa beans or whatever and putting them on a plane and getting them to where they need to go. This is extremely um, 
not environmentally friendly, obviously. Um, what we try to do is we try to co-pack our shipments together with um, maybe something that's not, um, you know, chocolate bars or like some kind of food item so that we're not just taking up an entire ship or, um, you know, just uh, wasting fuel to get a chocolate somewhere um, quickly. We want to be able to be uh, sustainable in how we um, have this, have the chocolate get places and reduce our chocolate miles overall. That's great. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, um, so where your chocolate is available, how someone can get a hold of it and what kind of, what kind of products that you offer? Sure. So um, we're available at all Whole Foods markets in Canada. We're also at uh, 10,000 villages, uh, Loblaws, I believe, um, and a few other small co-ops scattered throughout Toronto. Um, yeah. Uh, so if people are looking to buy some chocolate for Valentine's Day, what kind of chocolates do you, do you carry? So if you're vegan, we really recommend the dark chocolate with raspberries. It's delicious. Um, it's made with real freeze-dried raspberries, and it's got, like, this really nice, crunchy flavor along with the dark chocolate. It tastes really, really great. It's one of my favorite bars. Okay. that's. I mean, that sounds appropriate for Valentine's Day, I think. The chocolate and raspberry. Uh, I think the three of us here are not exactly, uh, you know, rushing out to do a big Valentine's Day thing, but I think getting a chocolate bar is a really, I mean, well, you, you can do that any to, day. You yeah. have to be yeah. supporting the farmers. I mean, yes. you just hear yeah. about all the wonderful things, you have to buy the chocolate. I don't need that much of an excuse to buy chocolate, but I think I will on Valentine's Day. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about Divine Chocolate or about uh, what we can expect at the Buy Good Feel Good Expo? Anything else on your mind? Yeah, so uh, we'll actually be demoing a couple of new products that are available in the U.S. and want to bring to Canada at the Buy Good, Feel Good Expo. One of them is our dark chocolate with hazelnut truffle bars. It's a vegan favorite and also one of my favorites. Um, and we're trying to see what kind of reaction we'll get to the crowd. So come on and stop on by our booth um, in order to try some of our chocolate. Great. And uh, and people can find you online. What is your website and what, what do you have on your website for people? So our website is divinechocolate.com and you can check us out there. Okay. And I know there's um, some, some recipes and some more information about the farmers and the co-op. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And on our website, I just have to mention, um, I am so happy uh, to, to work also with Divine because we do have so many amazing recipes on the website. Um, so please feel free to go check that out. We also have the About Us page, which will tell you all about fair trade. There's a picture of Mercy Zah, the farmer that I referenced earlier on the page, that her story is amazing. Um, and also, if you follow us on social media, um, I know uh, many people are on social media nowadays, and we do have an Instagram account where we have some really beautiful photos of different campaigns we've done with corresponding recipes. Um, so just for a little example, we did a s'mores um, campaign last summer and worked with a lot of fair trade ethical brands uh, in D.C. and in, in the States 
um, and worked with them to create some really delicious s'mores. We had one with cheese and chocolate as a s'more. Um, we did a ch- uh, chocolate and peanut butter s'more, chocolate and marshmallows. They were vegan marshmallows. Um, so we, we do like to have a lot of fun uh, and just be different. Okay. And we'll link to all of that on our blog, veg.ca, under the uh, the Veg Out blog. All right. So thanks so much, for uh, Morgan and Callie, for calling in and for talking to us about Divine Chocolate. And good luck, and we'll see you in April in Toronto at the Buy Good, Feel Good Expo. Great. Well, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. So we mentioned in that interview that Valentine's Day is coming up and it we on the TVA website on veg.ca which we mentioned we have a blog post about the all the um, veg guide updates surrounding Valentine's Day specials. This is kind of the night to go out to enjoy a lot of prefix menus. There's a lot of heart-shaped things, a lot of raspberry things. As mentioned, you can get the divine chocolate bar with the freeze-dried raspberries in it. Uh, Steve's tip is to not go to restaurants, so maybe pick up some chocolate and, and head home if you uh, if you're you know you don't want to see the the crowds. So that's option one. And yeah, option two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of places here. Reservation reservations are recommended, but Away Kitchen is doing a prefix menu. So this is they 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 have like a heart shaped pizza pictured here, but they have. Um, you can have an appetizer main and dessert for $30, and that's at their Queen and Bathurst location, as well as their Bloor West uh, location as well. The College Street location does not have pizza, just so you know. Um, Cosmic Treats always does a fun thing every year. They really get behind Valentine's Day. They're going to be open till 11 p.m. that night, and they're also doing a prefix menu for $30. They've got some cocktails ready. They've got some uh, delicious... Oreo cream cheese truffles and other Valentine's treats. Uh, we also talked about Vegetarian Haven, which is right below us here at 17 Baldwin Street. They have a delicious looking raspberry cheesecake, again, with the raspberry, uh, and that's their Valentine's Day thing. But there's so many listed here. Like every, you know, Tori's Bake Shop has, um, well, we, we mentioned this word earlier. It's uh, We were debating about it, but the lover's cake. The they lover's have a heart, cake. the lover's cake, <laughs> and it's a heart-shaped vanilla or chocolate cake for two, organic, vegan, and gluten-free available. So that's something that you can order through Tori's Bake Shop as well. And, you know, and they, they have two locations. Their location in the beaches, earlier this week, a tree fell through the window, so they had to close down to get that repaired. So, you know, so go and support Tories because I think they, you know, lost a bit of business this week. Um, yeah, Il Fornello, they also have a prefix menu, and that's uh, $35. And they have uh, something intriguing called a smoked salmon pizza, but it's it's an entirely vegan uh, menu. So that's all listed at veg.ca. We'll also post it in our show notes as well. And that's that Vegan Valentine's Day. Does anyone have any final thoughts or any? No? Okay. No, go, go eat food. <laughs> go eat food, go eat chocolate. And uh, try out Divine Chocolate because they took the time to uh, chat with us today and they're going to be at the Buy Good, Feel Good Expo in April. So you've been listening to Veg Out, the Toronto Vegetarian Podcast and radio show heard on CGRU 1280 AM The Scope. Remember, you can listen to past episodes of Veg Out on our app, The Veg Guide. You can email feedback to tva at veg.ca. And for more information, visit our website, veg.ca. Until next time, Veg Out. Veg Out.